0: Social Ventures Australia brings you this podcast from the SVA quarterly, sharing insights from SVA's work and from across the social sector. Hello, my name is Sam Thorpe and I'm part of the consulting team at Social Ventures Australia or SVA. I'll be sharing with you some research from SVA and the Centre for Social Impact, which found that not-for-profit organisations across Australia are, in general, not funded for the actual cost of what they do. This makes them less effective than they could be and reduces their impact. This audio is based on an SVA quarterly article entitled, Paying What It Takes to Create Impact. So first, we'll start off with an overview of the issue. Then we'll dive into what paying what it takes is. Next, we'll think about how this affects not-for-profits And finally, we'll talk about what can be done to solve this issue. To deliver impact, a not-for-profit or NFP needs to employ people, support them, and have the necessary infrastructure for them to work effectively. These costs have historically been separated out into direct costs and indirect costs, based on whether they can be assigned to a particular project, even though all those costs are essential to creating impact. Indeed, indirect costs, or overhead as they're also known, have become a fraught topic in the not-for-profit world. Some funders, donors, even not-for-profit staff view them as wasteful or unnecessary, yet they're essential to running an effective organisation, and evidence shows that organisations that spend more on indirect costs are often more efficient, rather than less. Now Australia's not-for-profit sector is vulnerable. The organisations that make up this sector, which together support millions of people every year, are often hindered by inadequate infrastructure and under-resourced central services. If you compare them to Australian for-profit businesses, the for-profits spend twice the amount that not-profits do per employee on key capabilities like training, IT, quality and marketing. This leaves not-profits both less efficient and more vulnerable to external shocks. Funding the full cost of program delivery would allow not-for-profits to train their staff more effectively, have more efficient IT infrastructure, and report more accurately on their impact. We recently conducted some research that shows the extent to which-profits are underpaid for their indirect costs in Australia. We spoke to nine Australian not-for-profits, which ranged in size from $100 million in annual revenue down to about 100 k in revenue revenue and work across the arts, disability, and family services sectors. They agreed to open their books for analysis. What the analysis showed was that these not-for-profits had an average indirect cost of 33% of their total expenses, and that ranged from 28% all the way up to 48%, and this far exceeded what is normally included in funding agreements. Funding agreements generally allow for up to 20%, and some don't allow for coverage of overheads at all. This figure, the 33%, is also higher than what not-for-profits regard as the maximum that philanthropy is willing to pay. Now as we know, government is the primary funder of the not-for-profit sector. However, some philanthropic funders make significant contributions to the sector and have already started to think about and solve this funding issue. They're exploring creating trusted relationships and offering full-cost funding or untied grants to not-for-profits. Yet, you know, more must be done on both sides if we're going to create a sustainable and effective not-for-profit sector. The underfunding of indirect costs is not a new issue. Jack Heath, who's the CEO of Philanthropy Australia, told us that funding difficulties have been a constant through his entire career. He said that, In my 20 years of leading not organisations, getting the true costs of delivering programmes and services paid for has been a perennial problem. In the US, Where tax laws and public attitudes have made this a significant issue, there have been public campaigns to improve the funding of indirect costs for over three decades. US research has shown that insufficient funding of not-for-profit indirect costs is one of the key drivers of NFP vulnerability. Yet, despite this problem being understood for many years, it remains unsolved. Progress has been made, And US federal laws for minimum indirect costs have been enacted, but much work remains to change mindsets. There has been far less advocacy on this issue in Australia, though it has been a topic of conversation in funding circles for many years. So what does it mean to pay what it takes? Part of the issue is defining what direct and indirect costs are. One way to think about direct costs is as costs that are specific to a project, i.e. costs that would not be incurred if the project didn't exist, such as service delivery staff and project expenses. Indirect costs then are, you know, everything else. All the costs that cannot be directly and easily attributed to a specific project. That thing that includes things like finance, learning development, IT, measurement and evaluation, and human resources. Now that, concept seems pretty straightforward but which costs go into which bucket can vary from organization to organization and even from project to project within an organization. As an example you think about marketing. Marketing costs could be direct or indirect depending on to what extent they focus on a particular project or whether they're promoting the whole organization. To pay what it takes then is to fund the full cost of running a project including a share of the indirect costs that are needed to support it, from a portion of the CEO to IT, HR, and rent. Indeed, the entire idea of direct and indirect costs is a bit of a false dichotomy. Every project requires both types of costs to be covered to succeed. Indirect costs have an image problem, to put it very lightly. Funders, including the general public, will sometimes choose not to fund not profits which have high indirect costs. When we spoke to Genevieve Timmons, a senior associate with the Alliances Portfolio at the Paul Ramsey Foundation, she told us that foundations find it a complex subject. She said, In my early work with foundations and philanthropic donors, people talked about admin costs as if they were an unnecessary impost and not relevant to charitable activities. This view is run counter to their priorities and experience as high-level business people, where investment in staff, infrastructure, and research is recognized as essential to success. This attitude towards indirect costs is common, despite significant evidence showing that indirect costs do not indicate whether a not-for-profit is effective or efficient. In fact, the opposite is often true. Research shows that if an organization doesn't spend enough on indirect costs, it is less effective. And you know, that's intuitive. An organization that can invest in training its staff, building good financial systems, and measuring its impact is going to be much better placed to be effective than one that can't. Even where funders are willing to pay for the full costs of programs, nonprofits regularly underreport their indirect costs. There are strong and persistent beliefs about how much funders are willing to pay for these indirect costs. And not-for-profits will actually undercut themselves to fit within this arbitrary self-imposed limit. This means that many funders are actually unaware that they are underpaying for the indirect costs of the programs they fund and are therefore not actually covering the true costs. Jack Heath noted how common this has been. He said to us, I've done the overhead dance. I've pitched funding proposals according to what we thought the funders would accommodate. I was even involved in a government funding process where, at the last minute, the minister's office told us to remove the indirect costs from the program entirely. And, in a desire to get the program funded, I said okay. Genevieve Timmins said that people's understanding of this issue is also highly varied, even within philanthropic organisations. She said... Levels of awareness can be starkly different according to whether you are speaking to staff, directors, or individual private donors. It's often staff that are already well down the track of understanding the need for indirect costs and keen to have their board and donors move to the right side of history on this issue. There are many reasons that not-profits find it difficult to be honest about their indirect costs. The power difference between funder and fundee makes it difficult for -for not-for-profits to have honest conversations about costs with their benefactors. The competitive nature of the funding environment means that not-for-profits are discouraged from revealing information they believe could be potentially damaging, even if it may lead to better funding arrangements. There are also significant reputational concerns about indirect costs, with media commentary often being highly negative. Indirect costs are only used to assess and compare not-for-profits because of a lack of simple alternatives. If you think about for-profit businesses, their performance can often be distilled to a set of financial metrics. Not-for-profits, however, resist this kind of easy comparison. Measuring the impact a not-for-profit creates takes time and resources and is often not that comparable to the work of other organizations the outcomes that funders and not-for-profits are aiming to achieve are also not always aligned. Hence the appeal and longevity of indirect cost measurement. It's an easily calculated number that seems to compare efficiency, even though we've known for years that it's actually unrelated to efficiency or effectiveness at all. So how does this affect not-for-profits? Not-for-profits have been battling with this issue for so many years that has become ingrained in their processes. This includes many not-for-profits creating deliberate inefficiencies to reduce the observed indirect costs of a project. NFPs named a number of harmful effects resulting from underfunding. Firstly, frontline staff do more administrative work as they can be considered a direct cost. This affects the structure of organizations. Other costs get shoehorned into direct costs even when it doesn't make any economic sense. According to the CEO of one large not-for-profit, they use local staff rather than centralized services to maximize their direct cost and to reduce their indirect costs. But what this does is reduce their efficiency and prevents them from leveraging economies of scale. Secondly, not-for-profits have had to spend significant time searching for funding to shore up their existing programs. Every project that is not fully funded must have this cost supplied from somewhere. This somewhere is generally from untied funding, which is funding that is not restricted to a particular project or purpose. This type of funding is relatively rare and highly sought after, but it creates further inefficiencies. Effectively, not-for-profits must fundraise twice for every underfunded project, once for the direct costs and then again to cover the rest of their costs. Ironically, this increases not-for-profits' indirect costs for their fundraising. The other effect, and one of the strongest, is long-term underinvestment in the areas covered by indirect costs. As mentioned earlier, compared to a selection of Australian not-for-profits, a corporate sector benchmark study suggested that businesses spend twice as much per employee on key capabilities, training, IT, quality and marketing. NFPs called out three flow-on issues from these effects. There's higher staff attrition due to low investment in training and staff mental health, a limited ability to collaborate due to limited resources and time, and reduced strategy development and strategic capacity. Their risk also increases. Complying with regulations and funder requirements is, after all, an indirect cost. So what can be done? According to interviews with philanthropic sector leaders, philanthropic practice in Australia has started to shift. Genevieve Timmins noted that a number of Australian philanthropic funders have begun to pay for the full cost of impact, with several focusing on how to support the whole organisation rather than just the project. She told us that this is not a new concept. For some foundations, indirect costs have been a part of the discussion for many years. Indeed, there are a variety of ways to fund the full cost of organizations, including providing full-cost project funding, providing untied funding, or giving capacity-building funding. Which of these models is best depends on the goals of the funder and the sector or issues they focus on. By having honest conversations with not-for-profits, funders can get a better sense of how they can best support the not-for-profits' work and create the most impact. Even where funders are open to paying for indirect costs, they still need to ensure they proactively understand their fundee's true costs and demonstrate a willingness to pay what it takes. Otherwise, as mentioned earlier, it's likely that not-for-profits will continue to deliberately underreport their indirect costs. As Jack Heath notes, convincing not-for-profits to be open and honest about their costs requires a significant level of trust in the relationship. Otherwise, they fear losing their funding. He says, we need to make an extra effort to create much higher levels of trust between nonprofits and funders so that we all feel comfortable having much more direct discussions. Part of this issue is a lack of good data. A better understanding of cost allocation methods and better data on the cost of achieving outcomes will also help to shift this power differential. Funders are often unsure about the true costs of creating specific outcomes. Indeed, not-for-profits can have a limited understanding of their own actual costs and how they should be allocated by project. The public narrative around indirect costs also needs to change. The belief of the media and general public play a big role here. They create a situation where many people new to philanthropy or the not-for-profit sector have a dim view of indirect costs that needs to be consciously and actively reversed. Indirect costs should not be associated with waste in the minds of the public, of funders, or of for profit staff themselves. Spending donor money to have an accountant is not wasteful, it's prudent. Spending donor money on a better computer system or more administrative staff can actually increase efficiency and make every dollar go further. Not-for-profits need to have the freedom to balance their costs in a way that they believe creates the most impact, but there's a lot that needs to be done to change attitudes towards indirect costs more broadly. This work was supported by the Paul Ramsey Foundation and the Origin Energy Foundation. Links to the full report and other reference material can be found in the SVA quarterly article, Paying What It Takes to Create Impact. Related articles and podcasts can be found on the SVA quarterly site, www.socialventures.com.au forward slash SVA hyphen quarterly.